It took me 20 years to find out how to write a song in 20 minutes. American composer and songwriter Bart Howard on the success of his biggest song during a 1988 interview with the New York Times. In 1954, Howard had been pursuing a career in music for 20 years. He was working as an accompanying pianist for cabaret singers at the Blue Angel Cabaret in Manhattan. But in his own time, Howard was writing songs that he envisioned his idol, Cole Porter, singing. Howard actually got the chance to present his songs to Porter, although it did not go as he would have hoped. Shortly after I arrived in New York, my agent took me to meet him, and I played my paltry, dreadful little songs, Howard said of the meeting. But he told me I'd be successful once I learned to sing them myself. Howard did eventually learn to sing his own songs. His first public performance as a singer was in 1988, but his success started in 1954, or at least the start of his eventual success. After 20 years and 20 minutes in music, Howard had written a song worth something, and he began promoting it through the cabaret club he worked at. The first singer to perform the piece was Felicia Sanders in 1954. That same year, actress, comedian, and singer Kay Ballard, or perhaps Ballard, became the first artist to record the track, and the song saw mild success as a jazz and cabaret staple. It wasn't until six years later in 1960 when Peggy Lee performed Howard's song on The Ed Sullivan Show that the song started to become a true commercial success. In the years that followed, more and more big names came to cover the song. Paul Anka, Shirley Bassey, Judy Garland, and a man sometimes called the biggest artist of the 20th century, Frank Sinatra, with the support of Count Basie and Quincy Jones, no less. What began as a cabaret classic has become an international phenomenon. From a video of a young girl in China singing the song with the instrumental accompaniment of Italian musicians she's never met, to the closing credits sequence of the classic anime Neon Genesis Evangelion, covers of the song are known to spring up anywhere at any time. The song's massive influence was acknowledged in 1999 by the Songwriters Hall of Fame, who gave it the Towering Song Award. And to think... This song may have never made an impact if Howard had listened to the publisher who insisted that he change the opening line to Take Me to the Moon. In other words, we're talking about Bart Howard's Fly Me to the Moon on Lover Me. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like. That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that compares famous love songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is on Jupiter or Mars. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my adorable co-host... Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, how you doing? Uh, doing just wonderful. Just, just wonderful. Just wonderful. What's got yeah. you feeling so wonderful? Um, it's It warmed up, basically. Fuck yeah. Um, but that's, re- there, there's, I'm sure there's other reasons. Um, <laughs> no, just the weather, baby. That's the only thing we talk about here. Uh, yeah, we only, but we only talk about the weather. Yeah. So I don't want to get into it. Yeah. It's, uh, uh we're a very, very neutral podcast here. Alex, have you got a theremin? That's right. It's time to talk about <laughs> theremins. <laughs> oh, it sure is time to talk about theremins. Specifically, the, um, it's coming along, it's coming along. Um, I did some stained? more staining this week. Uh, it's it. It's mostly all done. I might need to do some more, like another coat of stain on one piece, but the rest of it's done. And then I just need to put the uh, varnish on. Mm-hmm. And then that'll be it. Then I put it all together. Little Hell bit, yeah. a couple wires to connect. Um, but then, then it should be done finally. 
shit you, Alex. Now, Alex, you ever played the hit game Animal Crossing? I've played I've played the hit game Animal Crossing in my in my day. In your day, um, did you ever get a theremin in those games? It's one of the the uh, furniture pieces you can get. <sighs> Not that I remember, but if I had seen it, I definitely would have picked it up. Oh yeah, so you, you like can get it. You can place it in your room. And if you turn it on, it'll make a different pitch based on your proximity to it. Just like it's how close you are yeah. to it. Yeah. Um. So I'm, my question to you is: Are you going to do the same thing with your theremin once it's Just set leave up? Leave it on all the time. Yeah. Um. Maybe that would be fun. And then if like. Could just freak people out if they were yeah. to do it. Plus, it'd be like the worst security measure. Like you would, <laughs> if somebody yeah. was approaching, like, you're like, oh, somebody's here. Yeah, but they got to be pretty close. Like you tune it so that when someone's more than like a couple feet away, it doesn't make any sound. Yeah, at all. Um, so right, because obviously you don't want it yeah. picking as long up as they're on within the range. Shit. Yeah, and then they could do a little like. Whoa. Then, although that might just be creepier when people like if someone's sneaking around, that's that's scary enough. But then you add scary music. Yeah, See, yeah, that might actually like give you anxiety. Like, oh yeah. fuck, <laughs> who is it? it? Might be bad. Or, I mean, based on my experience, it would probably just like like I wouldn't wake up or anything. I would just like have a dream where that sound happens in it. Dog, I had that something similar happen today. I was <laughs> I had this dream that like I was like on a spaceship and like keeping some kind of Darth Vader-esque character out because I could hear their breathing. Sure. And then I then I woke up and it was just Greta. <laughs> <laughs> just breathing. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck. All right. Hmm. But that's been a fair minute. Let's talk about Fly Me to the Moon, Alex, also known as In Other Words, but officially changed by Bart Howard at the request of Peggy Lee, I think 1963. Yeah, I mean, you can see if you look at, like, all the versions... Some some of them were called Fly Me to the Moon before that, but yeah, it's like in other words, in other words, in other words, in other words. Yeah. So it was kind of like the the burgeoning like popular movement of people just being like, oh yeah, that song, Fly Me to the Moon, because it was less easy to to get song titles just offhand, like you can just Google right, it if you just heard them on the radio or whatever. With so you'd be like, yeah, you know that song, Fly Me to the Moon. People been, right? people would know it. Um. Yeah. And like it's the first line and probably the most prominent line too. Mm-hmm. Like the in other words, it's not it's not as much of a focus on it, even though they say it more. Yeah. Yeah, because technically Fly Me to the Moon only happens once. I mean, there's really only two verses in this, and the second one's repeated twice, so it doesn't even yeah. get the the repetition bonus. Um can you imagine if it was called Take Me to the Moon though? It doesn't, I don't know why he would suggest that. I mean, maybe it's just because we know this, but Take Me to the Moon, there's like, like the word itself feels like it doesn't fit as well. So I think the, the writer, um, what was his name? Bart Howard. Bart Howard. Um, I think he made the right choice. I think he knew, like the producer was like, hey, you should change it to, the, to, to take. And, and no, 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 the consonants are all wrong in that. Like, yeah. It's too too harsh, too rough, yeah. too mundane as well. Um, there's an interesting quote here. I don't know how true it is or if he's just uh, joking around, but Bart Howard, I think this is also the 1988 interview I mentioned, but he says, I put the verb to fly on the map. He said, after the song, everybody said, fly me here, fly me there. But I'm not in the dictionary of quotations where I think I belong. So it's also very possible that this publisher was just like, that's that fly me to this doesn't mean anything. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm like struggling to even understand that 
Like, yeah. I get it conceptually, but like, what what do you mean we say that now? Do we? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to fly over to... Oh, yeah, but we don't really say like, hey, fly me here, fly me there. But like also probably commercial flights are more popular. Oh, well. That's also true. But yeah, you'd be like, oh, I'm flying to, to such and such place. Or Whereas like, maybe that sounded outlandish beforehand because you're like, you are not a bird, sir. You can't be flying. But like you say it all the time in The Lord of the Rings, too, you know? like. Oh, yeah, which did happen before this song came out. Or, I mean... You know, they talk about flying a lot, but they don't oh, yeah, mean I guess flying. A, they mean flying like used to mean to flee. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know, man. But I don't know. It's a bold claim, but I it like is it. It's a bold claim. And it, and it may play into this publisher's, frankly, terrible idea. Because he just didn't understand. What do you, you want to hit? You better make it fly. That's take me to the letters. moon. There's not even a there's not even a, a, a vowel in there. Hard. Yeah. What are we talking about insects for? I thought this was about love. Insects can't even go to the moon. <laughs> Only migrating birds go to the moon. <laughs> These fucking idiots in the 1950s, I tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah, great song though, Alex. Uh, any personal connection to this one? Not really. You know, as much as I, I don't really have much history with Sinatra or these older or Kay Ballard like, or. Songs. Or the hit anime Neon Genesis Evangelion? Or, I didn't or the, even see the version that had this song in it. Or the 2009 video game Bayonetta? Uh, is it in Bayonetta? Yeah, it's the fight music in Bayonetta. Oh. Huh. It's huh. like a remix, obviously, because you can't just... <laughs> it's. It, I started that game, but I, I don't think I made it past the tutorial. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's in there, and that's... that's the, two versions we're not going to be talking about today. Um, because there's so many. There are so many. This song versions. has been covered widely for decades. Yeah, I, there's a quote by Howard where he says, "By the time Frank Sinatra covered it, there was at least a hundred covers." Yeah, and then it just like became even bigger after that. Yeah. But let's talk about these lyrics, Alex. I also don't have a personal connection. I know this song. It's part of the firmament. It's a towering song, as they say. Let me tell you about some some other songs that have. Won the Towering Song Award from the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah, throw him up. So we got um, Moon River. I don't actually know that song. Do you know Moon River? One. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, uh, what's her name? It's from, it's from the movie. From the we movie talked about Moon Breakfast River? at Tiffany's? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the is one thing we got. Breakfast at Tiffany's? Or is that just a... I don't know. Can you hum me a few bars of it, Alex? Moon River. That's all I know. That's <laughs> Goldfinger, isn't it? <laughs> Goldfinger. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, it's from Breakfast at Tiffany's. I only well, I watched it when we were talking about the song Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think I think I heard an Astrid Gilberto version. I think. Okay. To, okay. To foreshadow. Now these other ones, pretty easy. Take me out to the ball game. Towering song. Yeah. Obviously, Unchained Melody. That's big. This is a towering song. That's big. Uh, when the Saints go marching in, huge, huge. You've lost that love and feeling. Um, I know that one only loosely though. Let me call you sweetheart. And of course, you're a grand old flag. And bridge over troubled water are all uh, a few towering songs. Okay, I didn't know all of those. It's possible I do. Yeah, a lot of these are like well, I don't know if I know those ones. But the ones that I do know are like, well, yeah, that makes sense because that's like, 
that's like the firmament of music. Like everybody's born knowing these. So yeah, yeah, you have to you have to memorize those. That's just like your first test. They don't let you out of the hospital. Yeah, you know those songs exactly. And if you can't do it, buddy, you're dead. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you, you in gotta the bin. stay in the hospital longer. Yeah, get mixed up with another baby. And that's right. Your parents come by like, can we have it? They're like, no. You can have this one. <laughs> this one knows Fly Me to the Moon. You're like, oh, okay. I wouldn't want a baby that doesn't know Fly Me to the Moon. Yeah, come on. Lame baby. Fucking shitty ass baby. Yeah. Um, Alex, I'm putting off talking about these lyrics because these are going to be. There's the, not many. No, not only that, the easiest lyrics we're ever going to talk about on this show because the end half of every verse explains. What the what it actually means. It does. It does. It says, I'm gonna clarify this for you. <laughs> Here's what it is. Here's what it is. So verse one, fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. What do you think that means, Alex? Um I think it might be a metaphor. Okay. Yeah. Right. This is a time now this is the fifties and then into the sixties, but you know, space flight was kind of on the brain of people and obviously science fiction as we know it was kind of emerging sure yeah. to a degree you know it was a newer thing what we think of now is like these old school serials were what was happening then you know mm-hmm. um it's cutting itch yeah so i mean i remember reading some short stories from the i think the earlier parts of the 20th century and it's like Oh yeah, sure. You'll be able, well. I guess it was a little later, but like you'll be able to build a rocket in your backyard, kind of thing, and fly to Mars, right? Right. Yeah. It'd just be like a, a weekend activity. Yeah, which obviously now seems absurd, but wasn't necessarily so out there because it's like, well, if technology is advancing, who knows what'll be possible, right? Um, but you can it's build a rocket that... in your backyard, but it's <laughs> yeah, not going to take you, you all the way to Mars. <laughs> You just there was a there was a flat earther who used to do that. He built homemade rockets, and he was trying to to figure out if the the Earth was really round. And he he got up pretty high, and he'd be like, "I don't know, it's inconclusive, bro." And then he fucking died one time doing it. Yeah, it sounds really dangerous. <laughs> Probably really dangerous, but he did it quite a few times. So, uh, but they avoid the danger in this verse. Um, but I do like. I mean, talking about imagery, it's all. In space, shooting for the moon kind of thing. Talk about flying in terms of romance. The feeling of floating or flying is is one that comes up talking about in love songs. Oh, yeah. uh, Quite a bit. So this is so, you know, making you feel like you're floating so much, you get all the way to the moon and past Mm -hmm. it. And then I guess you come back to Jupiter and Mars because you were already among the stars, which which are much further away. Yes. I see what spring is like. Spring, a time of love, Alex. Yes, it is. And you know, you're seeing out of out of this world wonders and marvels. It's all it's all quite natural by by the fact that it just exists. The moon and and Jupiter and Mars are not man made things. Show me these natural wonders and let me play among the stars. Yeah, and it's also like there's no concern at all. Mm-hmm. It's not like maybe we won't be able to breathe. No, it's like we're together or whatever. Yeah. So everything's fine. Yeah, no I think worries. really what these lines boil down to is, I think the, the Howard's trying to say, hold my hand and kiss me. I think, I think you can see that in there. It's all. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's indirect, but it's, it's clear. 
is clear. Yeah. In other words, hold my hand. In other words, baby, kiss me. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, he's saying that the, the simple acts of love that we share, holding hands and kissing, have such massive effects on me that it is like flying to the moon, playing among the stars, and seeing seasons on foreign planets. It's fucking crazy. It's far out. Yeah, but it's still spring, so it's, like, nice, and you'll need a light jacket. Yeah, it's a good time. Which brings us to verse two. Fill my heart with song, and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for, all I worship and adore. What does this mean? Yeah, we're just not, I mean, I kind of get why you might call it in other words, versus fly me to the moon, because the second... Verse doesn't really have anything to do with flying or moons or space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's it's much more uh, grounded. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a song talking about talking about songs uh, and and being joyful. You'll make me joyful if you are true, faithful, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I assume that that those are synonymous, right? Yeah. Um, and then also the final word, z, which are uh, I love you. So, I mean, that's what makes it a love song, right? If you yeah, have a song right with there. I love you, it's got to be a love song. Got to be a love song. Um, yeah, fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. I mean, that really just means please be true, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and they're singing the, like, they're, they're singing, it's kind of like a give and take, you know? They're giving them the song and it's making them sing and songs are joyful. And, right. Uh, you're you're filling me with the song. I am I am expelling singing. This is a real candle feeds the flame situation, Alex. Yeah, this is definitely a, a less ambiguous wording of it, though. For sure, yeah. Um, yeah, this person's very in love. All I worship and adore. What does that mean? It means I love you. That's a that's a really straightforward. In other words, like hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Boom. <laughs> that's the lyrics. <laughs> that's the lyrics. There's some instruments, but, like, that's the lyrics, baby. That's the lyrics, buddy. That's, that's it. Good song. It's, it's good, short, sweet, simple, to the point. And it leaves a lot of room for you to just, just fill with emotions, baby. We, yeah, talk, we talked about... Uh, like, it's a performance mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. You know? Like, last week we talked about Hall & Oates, You Make My Dreams. And it's like, that one... You really can't do a like a sad spin on it. We talked about a couple versions that tried it. It doesn't land. This yeah. one has a lot more room to play in. Yeah, because it's 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 very one sided in terms of like it's telling the story. Mm-hmm. It's just a person saying, "Hey, I love you." It's a person being very vulnerable. Yes, and that can go in different directions. You know, the mm-hmm. response to that is what can color the context around it into basically anything like what happens mm-hmm. after this who knows this song is a song about putting yourself out there it's about yeah saying i love you yeah and it can be it can be like yeah it can be vulnerable it can be tender it can be uplifting it can be all sorts of things there's a lot of room in there and that is something we'll see is a lot of people just kind of this week moving through those that range of emotions sometimes no emotions at all Occasionally. I mean, given how many versions there are, I'm sure there's plenty of those, but, you know, we only have so much time. I mean, yeah, you can use I'm this for, to, to, you know, fight demons as a, a tall lady with hair for clothes and weapons. 
I never played Bayonetta. Yeah. <laughs> I bought it, obviously, because I said I played it before, but is it is your brother a big Bayonetta fan? I could swear somebody uh, was a big Bayonetta fan that I knew. Uh no, I don't think so. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Hmm. Well, I don't think I know any big Bay. I mean, I know uh like some people. I know it's it's well regarded. And I know there's some people who who sing its praises. But they're just internet people. Those aren't real relationships. Yeah, those aren't real people. That's just the the Vox Populi. Yeah. And is it that Populi? I don't know. But here's what I do know. The first recorded version we have of this is Kay Ballard. Yes, Kay Ballard. Um, and let me summarize it with a quote from one of the reviews from Billboard at the time, which said something like, yeah, that's pretty good. He said, said that, in other words, was, quote, a love song sung with feeling by Miss Ballard. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, uh, that's pretty descriptive. And that dude made enough money to buy a house off that review. <laughs> you know what I mean? Published that I was like, yep, yeah, I'm living well. It's definitely I mean, it's another example of like you can't know the impact something's gonna have immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Like in 1954, this is just another love song. The fact that it got picked up and resonated with people, you can't know that's gonna happen just hearing it in the audience one time. Yeah. And like this version isn't the version that ultimately did it. True. It's just the first one on wax, as they say, on vinyl, you know, able to be transmitted to people for more than just a, a seat at the cabaret. But it's still kind of, I mean, it's really in that style, I guess. Yeah, it's truly like a, a genre piece of its time. It's, it's not bad at all. Kay Ballard has some, you know, she's got some chops behind her. She was relatively popular in her day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is. He was also on the Super Mario Bros. Super Show. No fucking way. As Madame Agogo. Damn. That was obviously years later. (laughs) But she was in that. She was in that. So this one's very gentle. Yes, definitely. Like comparing it to the version I knew better, the Sinatra version. Of course. Briefly, if I may. Um. It's a little slower, yeah, and it doesn't have the same kind of swing to it. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of... It has that sort of cinematic, for the 50s, kind of introduction music. Yeah, where it's like you're... Things were just very... like When I say things, I mean uh, recordings of music. They were kind of... There was a lot of like high-end. Mm-hmm. So... You really get that. And yeah, it sounds like a Bambi or something like that. Yeah. Opening credits. Yeah, it really is like Bambi orchestrals with Kay Ballard singing a tender version of uh, Fly Me to the Moon over it. Yeah, and we kind of discussed a lot of this in our Alabama song Mm -hmm. um, episode last month. But um, yeah, it's got that sound. It's it's old school recording. You know, this they probably would have had like two track recorders i don't know right so it's like instrumentals one on one and yeah, then but vocals it's still on like, the other you can tell like they they're just trying to get the the microphone in the right place so that the orchestra isn't like overpowering and they're not going crazy on the horns uh or they're further away so they kind of sound that they're quieter but they're also further away you know yeah but it definitely has that sound to it. 
as anything would, because that's mm-hmm. how it was recorded. Yeah, so it is, uh, I mean, yeah, even in that instrumental bridge, you can hear, like, it is very quiet, and they should technically be the focus there, right? But it's just this gentle, dun-dun. Yeah, you get, you're like, that's where the, like, pizzicato strings come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's, Kay does some humming. Um, I did, like, the way she sings it as well, it's a, because it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like moments where she can really draw out words. Yeah. And then she gets a pretty strong vibrato on those notes. You can really yeah. feel on especially those longer notes. Yeah, like it's it's in those in other words sections where she really does that, right? So in other words, darling, kiss me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty a classic performance. And to the point where it's like tough for me like how do i feel about this I'm like well it evokes that really old school sound mm-hmm. successfully so if i'm feeling that i'd listen to this and i'd have a good time i probably wouldn't listen to it my normal day to day yeah it's you know, not everybody can be frank sinatra which is obviously what first comes into mind when i listen to this yeah but you can be a successful working musician with with a track like this without being Frank Sinatra. Yeah, exactly. Without being what's what some people apparently do call the greatest artist of the 20th century. Like, yeah, it's just a lot of his success was before the stuff we tend to listen to. So, mm-hmm. we don't go for that American Songbook stuff as much. Yeah, even though you know it's a good time. Exactly, as Hall and Oates say, I can't go for that. Yeah, no can do. No can do. Uh, but also, it's it's definitely music that interests me on some level, but not one that I listen to that much. It's especially weird since so much of it is covers, and we talk about covers, but, you know, the music that is, like, mostly covers is not what we listen to. No, it's, uh, I don't know, man. It's, there's a... There's a lot of music out there. If there's one thing there we've is. learned from this podcast, there is so much, so much music out there. And it wasn't any different back then. Like, there's just a vast ocean of random people who just do all sorts. Like, this, Kay Ballard was also a comedian and an actor. Like, she wasn't, like, just resting on this single. Yeah. She, she was out there working the entertainment scene. So she also happens to have. It's like how Michael Sarah has a fucking album. Have you ever listened to the Michael Sarah album? No, I have not listened to the Michael Sarah album. No. Is that what the <laughs> album is called? I don't know, but like <laughs> he has an album of music. Um, Some people it works better, right? Donald Glover is another comedian, writer, musician. He's one of the more successful examples. Like there's just people who are out there doing everything. And. You know, sometimes you just make a solid single. Like, this is just solid. It's good. It's not great. It's not bad. And I know I say that about a lot of cover versions on here, so I will say better than most that I... I, I, Usually that's me pulling a punch, being like, "Ah, that's not great, it's not bad. Yeah, but I mean, obviously the song resonated. Yeah. And and lots more people recorded it after this, so... Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, we're not talking about the uh, the Peggy Lee version, which, in hindsight, maybe we should have. Um, yeah, I definitely, going through these, was like, oh, there's a bunch more versions I should have put on, but... Yeah, didn't. tell me about the um, curation process on this, Alex, because this is a tough one to do. There's hundreds there's of thousands so of covers. Yeah. Uh, what did you... What was your guiding principle going through these? Um, mostly, I was just trying to go for variety. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really research the individual covers. Other That's fair. Than that. And uh, it led to me realizing late in the process that I had cut some things that I wish I hadn't. Mm. And left some things on that I maybe didn't need to. But Yeah, uh, I think there's definitely one track that we're going to talk about today that didn't need to be here. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it was too late. I had to go with it. Had so to go with it, yeah. That's... That's some tough decisions. Some of the ones we left off the table, and I think some of them, because I even went and listened, I was like, okay, that's fine. The yeah. Neon Genesis Evangelion covers, they're great. They're great in the context, but they're not, like, even compared to this K. Ballard version, it's just, like, a Japanese singer singing in English, and that's kind of yeah. your big difference. It's still in that same kind of more tender, slow vein. Um, the Bayonetta version might have been interesting, but it's, we've talked about a lot of versions like that. It's 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 almost a workout mix with... Fly me to the moon. Um, as for the Peggy Lee one, I didn't listen to it, but I bet it was shit. No, I don't. <laughs> no excuse for that. But uh, yeah, just a little insight into our curation process. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's no music videos for this. There's nothing else to say about this version, so we're gonna get into these covers. Yeah, or more covers, I guess, because even this one's a cover. But yeah, you know, what can you do? Frank Sinatra, Count Basie. I think it's Basie or Bussy. It is Basie. Count Basie According and to the Wikipedia page, anyway. Sweet, that makes sense. They Basie. should. There should be a, a a EDM artist called Count Basie, but with two S's. Maybe yeah, a line instead of an I. Yeah. Definitely. I surprise. Uh, I mean, there might be. Honestly, might be for all I know. Not my scene, but hey, Count Basie, Frank Sinatra, and a ranger, Quincy Jones. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. In the year 1964, so 10 years after the song was first debuted in a, at the Blue Angel nightclub, yeah, Frank Sinatra said... Not only said, 10 years later, but like, well, I guess it is 10 years later, but like Frank Sinatra is also like 50 at this point. Like he's had quite a career already too. Right. So it's not like this kicked off his career or anything. No, this is, this is Frank Sinatra in his prime, or maybe even slightly past it. I honestly don't know, but he definitely had like some pretty significant hits throughout his career. Yeah, he was—he's a big Which boy. Is why he's considered one of the great artists of the 20th century. That's right. Um, also on this, Quincy f- friggin' Jones. Yeah, so some big names, some big names working on this one. Quincy Jones, who, who, according to an interview that was later retracted, knows who killed JFK. <laughs> Yeah, and also the Beatles can't play instruments very well. That's right. Just some things Quincy Jones has said. God, what a wild interview that was. Yeah, he's quite a guy. Quite a guy. Um, he arranged this. What is arranging, Alex? He didn't just little... schedule meetings for this. Yeah. I'm a little unclear on the difference between an arrangement and an orchestration. Mm. But... I mean, basically, the song exists, and you kind of have the general outline, and that is the words and probably some melody and chord progression. Mm-hmm. So when you arrange it, you basically take those elements and just do something with them. So maybe you change 
the melody a bit or the chord progression mm-hmm. and you decide like oh we'll do this part on this instrument and this part on this instrument and we'll add this in and maybe we'll do some other stuff that's completely different right but as i understand that's what arranging is okay that makes sense um and yeah, yeah. the big thing he's credited with on this not to focus too much on quincy jones but he changes it from a 3-4 to a 4-4 for, uh, for timing there. Yeah, which is pretty common after this. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that the original one was not 4 Not in that? Yeah. Um, yeah, the only difference you really notice is that this one's just up-tempo compared to the Kate Ballard version. Um, let's talk about Count Basie briefly, American jazz pianist, organist, band leader, whose innovations include the use of two split tenor saxophones to emphasize the rhythm section, uh, and riffing with a big band and using arrangers to broaden their sound and other things. So he's like a big deal for big bands. Big band deal. Big band deal. I was just, I was just checking out that Kay Ballard version for the, the, the rhythm's not a super strong part of that version. Certainly not. There's not even drums in it, is there? Um, not prominently. No, it really is like, the backbone of it is strings. There's some, like, either horns or woodwind in there, and that's kind of it. Uh, sorry, getting off topic, though. Getting off topic, Um, getting back onto Frank Sinatra's version, which, um, vocally features Frank Sinatra. Yes, you may have heard of him. Um, old-time crooner type. You know how it is. Yeah, what defines a croon, Alex? I think it's usually low and more direct. I think that was a big part of it. Was it supposed to feel like more direct, like you're kind of singing to the audience? Because yes. it was growing out of a time period where um, like the loudspeaker was being developed or was first widely mm. available, right? So you didn't have to be an opera singer for everyone to hear you sing in a, right. in a theater. So you could sing into the microphone. So you could bring and, a level of intimacy into yeah, it. Yeah, you didn't have to sing powerfully, necessarily. You could bring your own volume down and shape your voice a little differently. Right. And, and I think that's kind of what the croon grew out of. Yeah, that Although makes sense. I struggle to specifically define it, but I'm sure there is a way. Uh, People call it a male uh, voice um, that is sentimental, soft. soft, and low. Softer, lower, and more sentimental. Which I think covers the, the Frank Sinatra style. It feels very, uh, you know, it feels very near sentimental, very, yeah. uh, like we said, intimate, almost casual. Definitely... Yeah, he's, there's like a, a sense of effortlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when he hits some of those low notes, it's got like a good resonance to it. So that's oh, kind of yeah. what he's known for, I think. I mean, he's known for a lot of things. That's oh, one yeah. of the things he's known for. Yes, you get an expert vocal performance on this. He does big, big hits when he needs to, but he plays in that nice kind of low casual range. Fucking gives this a nice airy light floaty feel. Yeah, I mean, compared to the previous version, it's picked up a little bit. There's a little more of that swing. It really is like, I mean, it's a jazz arrangement, obviously, but yeah. the jazzness, the jazz nature, the fact that it is a jazz version, it gives it gives it some oomph, you know, gives it. Some yeah, oomph. I'm trying to think of a better way to say energy. Um, it's, it's bombastic. It's uh, yeah. it's uplifting. It's it's a version that. Like is so 
like strongly like positive that I was like, oh yeah, that, this is like a obviously a happy song where it's really just a love song. There's no yeah. real tone on it. But this one, you feel like you're like in love and it's good and it's like hell yeah. Yeah. The other thing this one has is um, subtlety. I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Frank Sinatra's voice is the focus. Yes. It's Frank Sinatra, um, and he's singing. Um, but like the rest of it, there's other stuff there, you know. But particularly at the start, it's very soft, mm-hmm. very subtle. Um, kind of behind his voice, you know, you get that piano, you get that walking bass line. Um, yeah. But it stays light, and then, and then there's like little flute bits too. But it's all like the focus is definitely on the voice. Yeah, it all just kind of plays around him. So you get, yeah, a little bit of playfulness on that flute, a little kind of in between and behind lines. Mm-hmm. You get that very nice, simple, almost a glorified metronome on the drums there. So, like very standard jazz drums. Yeah, and then it's not till later on where they get in those really big horns. Yeah, we pick up a little bit for the second verse, which of course comes immediately after the first verse. As expected, they, perhaps? As expected, yeah. That's traditionally where it is. Um, but yeah, you start getting that na-na-na-na riff on the horns there. Yes, and they get that like of the era we're gonna like horn solo. How do I describe this? I guess I'm comparing it to other, yeah, obviously other songs I've heard from the era, but like, yeah, yeah, just it, the big band like move. I don't, I don't know what you would like, call it, there, but it's what's, like, what's the word for that? Like, I'm thinking of of um, Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, um, like, can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed, kissed me. me. Like that kind of like it's it's in that it's that that's what it is. <laughs> I don't really have much appreciation for the differences between those things. It's <laughs> the same effect, yeah, but you know, on this one it does the sort of main melody. It's true. Yeah, it's kind of doing the melody. Yeah, but, but yeah, the big, real emphasis big. is the big boisterous tone on those horns you could almost plug in that in any one of these these sort of songs we're thinking about here mm-hmm. and it, it plays about the same like yeah yeah so that's what takes us in and out of the the instrumental bridge is that uh big there is a fucking word for it like uh i don't know the big horn burst <laughs> Like a like a flourish? Yeah, let's call it a flourish. I don't know. Maybe. I like the bit where they go boop. Yep. Boop. That's fun. Yes. So what what Frank Sinatra's vocals bring and what is also brought in through the instrumentation is some of that like like looseness, some of that like carefree attitude on this. Feels very easy. But it still manages to get pretty big. Yeah. Even with all that. Yeah. Um, I do like also like what they do at the end because it repeats the second verse. Yes. Um, and but things you know has a little more volume, uh, just a little bit though, and mm-hmm. 
then once it gets to true, like it gets really big, and yeah. that's the finale. Um, and then like the horns are all in. He's repeat, and he repeats in other words a couple times, and then he does the like the last line, which is, "I love you." Love you, yeah. But he like draws it out, so I and love get really drawn out, and then there's like. Yeah, and like the piano? little piano stings. Yeah. And then he just goes, do, you, you. And then it's just over. Yeah, what a fake out, right? He's yeah. doing this huge fucking build up. In other words, the fucking horns are going like, we're going to hit that you so hard. And then he just <laughs> takes it right down. And then he's just gone. Yeah, so good move. It's a good move. Good move. Um, Great version. What do you, what do you want me to say? Yeah. Sinatra, I almost said Frank Zappa by accident. It's Frank Sinatra. It's, it's friggin' Frank Zappa on the track here. Uh, had to stop for a second. Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, they're pretty far apart. Yeah. Um, I, I understand it. Anyway. Um, so this one is also, this song is also closely associated with the moon landings, obviously. Yeah, I suppose he was played by astronauts in space. Yeah. Um, on like, I think Apollo 10 and 11. Yes, yeah, so on in on Apollo 10 it was played on a Sony TC50 portable cassette player. Oh. Cassettes. And then on Apollo 11, I guess it was just played before the first landing. Cuz they were literally going to And of course it was it was sang on the 40th anniversary of the landing and then at Neil Armstrong's memorial service was used in the 2000 NASA related film Space Cowboys. I hope um Neil Armstrong likes this song because if he doesn't can you imagine? <laughs> or liked, I guess. Uh, yeah, he would not be able to get away from it. <laughs> yeah, you think astronauts hate songs about space? You think they hear space audio? You're like, that's not what it's fucking like. <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not a tin can. A tin can. Um, no, who is it? Was it supposedly Buzz Aldrin? Like, will tell a joke that's totally unfunny about the moon. Mm-hmm. And then just and then like when no one laughs, just be like, ah, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good joke. It's <laughs> an amazing joke. I think it was Buzz Aldrin. Uh, that's a story I've heard anyway. Oh man, way to go, Buzz. <laughs> Who is still around? I think. I think he is still around. Yeah, Probably damn. racist or something. Yeah, it's usually how it goes. I mean, we're talking about Frank Sinatra. There's some stories about him. Yeah, I guess we shouldn't be glorifying anyone here too much. Um, Speaking of dudes who were almost definitely racist, (laughs) (laughs) we got Homer and Jethro in 1965. Fly me to the moon and let me play amongst the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. The stage names of Henry and Kenneth. Yes. Henry D. Homer Haynes and Kenneth C. Jethro Burns. Um, These guys are... I don't know why. Some people just do that. I like a good front initial, you know? Yeah, like J.R.R. Tolkien. Oh, yeah. The all initial. The even better move. (laughs) Many, many initials. (laughs) Or like, I'm sure other people. Um... Not J.K. Rowling, because she fucking sucks. But, like, uh, lots of authors. Yeah, lots of authors. Um, You got H. John Benjamin, the, the voice actor for Archer and, and Bob of Bob's Burgers. There are other ones that I can't think of at the moment, but it's a good 
Good move. It's a good move. And then people, and then it's like, what's that? And what's that? What's that word? What's that name? Yeah. But also, like, what do you call them? Do you call them H H John? Like, hey, yeah. H John. Hey, what's up, H John? It's. <laughs> I don't think you do. I think you just call them by the the regular name. You That's certainly cool. don't just call him H. I'll tell you that. Call him Howard or whatever his name is. It's probably it's Howard, isn't it? Stands for. I would be um, running away from the name Howard unless my last name was Do It. Uh, anyway, these guys, <laughs> these guys, <laughs> these guys are called Homer and Jethro. Uh, they kind of did a lot of country music for a while there. They're associated with like, um, the Carter family and Chet Atkins and some other country acts of the time. Yeah. So the, from the forties through the sixties was kind of their big thing. They're in the country music hall of fame. They received at least one Grammy award in 1959 and apparently are also known as thinking men's hillbillies. Yeah. Thinking man's so hillbillies. I think that means that they just put on a hillbilly act. I think that's right. what that means, but they like wear suits. Okay. Um, and yeah, if you look at their album cover here, they're like wearing suits, making weird faces and like, I guess, harassing a woman with their voices and music. Yeah. So it's kind of, I think, supposed to be comedic. I think degree, it's supposed to be really Yeah. I think there's levity to it, but it's not necessarily like, like these guys did this for at least 20 years. Yeah. But like I mean the Wikipedia page refers to them as uh says they play satirical versions of popular songs. Oh, I suppose. So to me this just sounds like a country version of the song. Like I don't really get the the satire. I, I mean maybe the satire was like easier to read then but as a guy who doesn't like you're right it just reads like country music yeah so i mean i i know it's been said satire like proper satire is not distinguishable from what it's criticizing but is it criticizing this music then because they played it for decades for decades right so were they the whole time just be like these fucking guys playing their country music like i'm missing something i feel like yeah or, or were they just like you said lighthearted and like joked around and people were like satire yeah like i don't know i don't know but that's what this version is it's very country very twang uh twangy um they're back in three four time also and you can feel it this time Hmm. and you know what we're also talking about this one was 65 so that's pretty late in their career so it might be that they kind of got their got things into swing with satire and then expanded to just kind of do covers. Yeah, just like shit, mellowed right? out a bit and we're like, actually, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It is a... It's a strange one. Maybe you had to see them live, right? Maybe it was... Because they're making be silly there. faces on the cover. So yeah, you gotta be there. You gotta be on the moon with these guys. Yeah. Um... But yeah, that's they do the twang like they have the like yodely voice, you know. Yeah, is that what that's called? Yeah, it's this real like wistful old like all Let this is missing is a uh, among the stars. Yeah, it's a uh, like that was almost goofy, but almost yeah, really sound like goofy. No, but it's it's in that ballpark. It's in that area. Yeah. You are all alone. Yeah, they got yeah, the I'm violin going, going which is probably you'd call a fiddle, even though it's the same thing. I definitely um, called it a fiddle. And uh, I do like how they play uh, like hollow body guitar and mandolin. So they look like they have the same instrument, but different sizes. Yeah, that's a good move. That's fun. That's funny. Um, that's comedy. Yeah. 
that's aesthetic, I guess. Mm, and the shorter so one has the guitar, and the taller one has. Anyway, it's it's a good aesthetic. It's a good um, aesthetic. I um, just don't get their bit. I don't get the bit, but I will say this: I think <laughs> this version works very well. Yeah, I, it d- definitely does seem like this idealized version of country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this style of country music, which you'd hear in like old westerns and stuff. Yeah. You know? So this one to me does feel more like a serenade, which is what we're seeing on the front. They're really serenading this uninterested woman on the cover. Yeah. Um, and that's what it feels like. Yeah. It's wistful. It's got uh, yeah. It's got your fucking like this would play in Back to the Future three. Like <laughs> ZZ Top would play this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's uh, and it's got two of them singing at the same time, which I usually don't like. But I guess when it's country hillbillies, I think it is good. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Apparently, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's very uh, yeah, wistful. It's uh, it's a pretty rich uh, texturing of the two instruments, the mandolin and the the guitar there, and the the strings when they come in. It's got a nice plodding rhythm to it. That three four. <laughs> I don't yeah, know if they hit comedy, but they, they certainly hit the genre mark. Like this, this yeah, nails it feels it like a pretty good transplant, as opposed to, like, I don't know who, if anyone, we're laughing at, though. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe at this point, we're not laughing anymore. We're just having a good time. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of this, no scat. No scat. Which yeah, I can't say for the next exactly. version. Astrid Gilberto, uh, 1965. Shit. Um, I think. I think it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, she does that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah, she her big thing is the the girl from Ipanema. Yeah, she sang on that track, famously, um, and sings bossa nova. She's a bossa nova singer. Yeah, and, and samba, I guess, if that's yeah different. She's Brazilian. Um, yeah, so we get a soft scat open on this. <laughs> Which she also books bookends for us. Yeah, oh, starting the end. Um, and this one, I mean, it's really in accordance to kind of what bossa nova is. It's like chill jazz. Yeah, that's yeah. Hit it on the head there, Alex. So you get that kind of um, like nylon string guitar playing some chords, so it's softer sounding. The piano sounds soft. The drums. It's all soft. It's all very laid back. Yeah. Now, is this another two-track situation? Or would we have had better recording at this point? Mm. Ten years down the line, 11 years down it's the line. It's tough to know, especially because it's Brazil. So, like, Running. It, like, I know the Beatles had a two-track recorder in 1965. Probably by 1965, they had more. Mm-hmm. But certainly around the time. Because, like, the instruments on this are soft because of the, the bossa nova style, sure. But they're also just super fucking hard to hear. I guess, but that might be the point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's a bad point to make. But <laughs> what do you think's hard to hear? Sorry, just the the instruments in general. There, there's there's guitar in there that you can barely hear. The drums are very quiet. Yeah, it's all very soft. I don't know. But there's a lot of yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. 
don't know what to say about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's not something I really noticed. Well, I noticed it. Damn it. Yeah. Um, I will say that the the sort of sparseness of it, or at least the relaxedness of it, the airiness of it, gives you a bit of a spacey feel. Also, a bit of a elevator feel. <laughs> yes, it's definitely the sort of music that is played in elevators. Um, I'm sure the girl from Ipanema would have the same treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting... I've been trying to ask myself when I listen to versions of the songs what sort of feeling they have, you know? Yeah. What sort of, what sort of feeling they get across. Right. More than anything. Um, and to me, this one, like, because of the more casual nature, like, it mm-hmm. sounds more laid back. That's how it starts out. But it's yeah. sort of, it does develop because the strings come in. That's right. And it almost feels like, so, like the person starts saying this thing without really thinking about it. And then as they keep talking, they sort of start to think about it and realize maybe how true it is. Right. You know, like you could say, I love you thoughtlessly. And then be like, oh shit, yeah, I do. Right. Afterwards. I guess what I'm trying to say is I yeah. love you. In other words, yeah, and then that's when they get to the in other words, right? So like there's <laughs> some strings in that, but then right as they get to another as she gets to in other words, the, the strings kind of start to soar. So it's almost like, oh yeah, I just mean I love you or whatever. You right. Know? So it's sort of an internal clicking oh, of of a yeah. of and then that realization. You understand the things you said more and then kind of can simplify it because when you can say something simply, it generally means you understand it better. Right. That's the feeling I get from this version. So this one's about more about the internal journey of realizing your own feelings. Yeah. Quietly and, and sort of comfortably. Yeah. So I like maybe that. something you've said before, but realizing that it's not just empty poetic speak or something like right. that. Right. It's, it's not, yeah, you're not your, just uh, your truth. going through the motions. You're actually feeling it. That's a very kind interpretation for a version that I honestly felt was yeah. pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not a huge fan. I, I do, I do kind of like these bus, these old bossa nova numbers, though. But that's just I do like the laid back vibe to it, though. Yeah. I like that. I like that it's a bit like slower without being like dramatic. I just do find that I. I start craving something else while it's going on, like a little extra volume on that rhythm sure, guitar. There's or not something. a ton of development. Yeah, basically just those strings. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't there like her, a, her baba actually, The second half does kind of a trade-off between the trumpet and the vocals. Oh yeah, because we get the trumpet for the instrumental break. Yeah, and then um, and then the trumpet plays, and I think she just sings the refrain. The trumpet does the bulk of the verse. Yeah. I guess just for me, the, this this narrator in this situation coming to this internal realization while also like having just smoked opium, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's very sedated. Um, I don't I don't think the the scat was worth coming back to. That's right. I know I know you're not a fan of scat generally. No, I'm not a scat freak. Yeah. Well. Some of us, you know, some of us are into some things. Are you truly into scat, Alex? Not the not feces, but <laughs> not it's not like um, it's not like I hear scat. I'm like, oh baby, now we're scatting. Yeah, but like I'm fine. I'm fine with it generally. It's 
if you as do kind it, of like vocal improvisation, non-lyrical vocal improvisation. Oh, yeah, okay. Although yeah. I couldn't be like, oh, that's good scat. Definitely. I'd just be like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, that sounds they're making. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're, we're not talking about one of the versions that you had on the list, um, Voice Trek, where they had, like, group scat and then a scat solo. I was fine with group scat, yeah. scat solo. I was like, yeah. I think that's why here. I took that one out. I'm like, ah, Jake's just going to not like this one. <laughs> I thought there was some merit to it. But, I know, uh, I probably should have. I, I, I would have, anyway. Yeah, doesn't I matter. I would have left it in if I had taken the other one out. So that's your boss to take on this, Astrid Gilberto. Um... And here comes another band. Watch out. Here it is. As is band in As is 2001. Band. Fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other- yes, there seem to be a few bands with this name and a few tracks with this name and a few albums with this name. But these seem to be the guys, some some guys from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, I, I managed to find like a live performance, like concert of theirs. Yeah, they I play think this they're, they're mostly like wedding band. Yeah, that might be what they are now. I have the, uh, at least what was the <laughs> the uh, lineup during the ninety seven show. I think it was or something like that. With Mike Bailey, Alan Dakina, Mark Recking. Is that Reckling? No, Reckling. Yeah, Steve Strauss, uh, Derek Butler, Ethan Ethan Newman, Curl Fincham. No, Kurt Fincham, my bad, Scott Kissinger, and Dave Champ. Of those, uh, two of them were passed away by the time this YouTube video was uploaded. Mm. But uh, this is the As Is Band. They're basically like real ska, like not ska punk, like... Like, like ska. Like, like ska. And yeah, that's what this is. This is a ska version. And they definitely have the ska, like, tropical thing going on, you know? Yeah. Got that skank on the guitar, got some steel drums, there's a horns part, there's a walking bass line. They got the they got the whole meal deal, baby. Yeah, and I'll say instrumentally they got me right off the bat here. We come in with that like pulsing steel drum, we got the horns coming in, we got that kick and walking bass line. It's like, all right, guys, where are you taking me? And they're like, to a karaoke version of the Frank Sinatra version. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the vocals are the part of this that are the weakest because yeah. it really does sound like they're just trying to do Frank Sinatra and clearly don't have the same like expressiveness. Yeah. And that might be partially just cause they're trying to go so fast. So they don't have the time to really see. You can't chew the scenery. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it, it's not definitely not as strong in terms of that, that part of the performance. Yeah. But and you, you just set up such a good energy, though. I can't hate on Ska, man. You know, it's energetic and it's fun. It just doesn't have the same, like, romantic backbone. Yeah, and maybe that's... Maybe the reason that Ska punk works so well is that, like, the communal aspect of punk brings out, you know, kind of supports if you have a singer who's just okay. Because if they had had, like, other guys in the mem- the group, like, singing lines together or, you know, just punching it up a little bit, just to give us something yeah, more interestingly something, vocally. To, something to more, something that was more appropriate as opposed to, like you said, what is basically a karaoke Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Because, I mean, you talked about the feeling that you've been looking for in all these other versions. Yeah. What's the feeling on this? I this is one I couldn't pinpoint. 
Yeah. It doesn't, other than like the feeling of listening to Ska, which is like, let's skank around, you know? So it, I found it just didn't really have that for me. Yeah. I mean, right down to the ending where they do the, a short, I love you. Like, it's just like wanting to be Frank Sinatra, but with a different instrumental track. Which is tough, because like I said, it's a lot of fun to listen it's to. Still, yeah, it's such a fun start. You're like, what are we going to do, guys? They're like, nah, not much. <laughs> okay, fuck. Uh, yeah, don't have much more. There's a trumpet solo. There's a trumpet solo. Trumpet solos are fun. Uh, yeah. Pretty fast. Pretty fast. Yeah, just fucking. Just like, yeah, that's pretty much what it has. That's what it has. To me, it feels like being on a cruise ship. It feels like a like an advert for some fucking cruise line. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Yeah, cuz they don't they just though. got whatever band who would yeah. agree to live on a boat for however many months. And they're like, "Here, you can you can play one like exciting ska version." They're like, "Yes." <laughs> like, but it has to be Frank Sinatra. And they're like, "Okay, we can so work Frank with that." Frank Sinatra and everything else has to be slow. Okay. We'll do it. I'll take the gig. Um, so we're moving on. We're done with these guys. Yeah. We're talking about Jeff Duff in Jeff 2006. Duff. Jeff Duff. Yeah, you can fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars. Let me see what life is like. This is an interesting guy. I yeah. didn't realize going into this. Yeah, he he um, met David Bowie when when David Bowie was living in Sydney, I guess. Met David Bowie. He just will not shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> yeah, does a lot of Bowie performances, like yeah. performs David Bowie music. In fact, this song is from uh, an album that grew out of a show of his where he mm. does David Bowie music mostly. But it's called where is it? Lost in the Stars. That's, That's the, the name the of the album. There's two albums that came out of this project and it called ground control to frank sinatra oh. um and the first album was called ground control to frank sinatra and also this one right so it's bowie inspired uh fucking 50s hits yeah among other things he did like on this album he's got heroes life on mars and Starman. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing exactly what you'd expect. Um, yeah, he loves David Bowie. He was a big uh, kind of glam rock guy himself, I guess. He was the lead of a jazz rock fusion band called Kush, which is one letter removed from Rush. <laughs> it's basically Rush, but Australian. I, always, I wanted to, at one point, print shirts of, like, Rush albums, but with a, a K instead of the R, so it'd be Kush. <laughs> I, I feel like they would have sold like hotcakes, man. I mean, I think you could still do it. Technically, yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Um, and, but this, this version, I would say, I mean, I, I, get, I, I get a little Bowie, just a little bit. It has more of like a general kind of world music feel to me. Oh, yeah. The, instrumentally, it's world music, but his vocals are s- straight up. I met David Bowie one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And doing, yeah, doing the, doing the Sinatra Bowie thing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's get, tell me about that world music rhythm, Alex. What kind of fucking drums are we hitting there? Yeah, what kind of drums are those? Um, I'm a, hang on, I'm listening to the wrong song. 
Alex, come on. Well, I was like, oh, he does a version of my way. So I was going to see if it was like combined. Then I realized it was a bad time for it. So I don't know what kind of drums those are. Just like, I don't want to guess. Hand drums? I don't really have a guess. I honestly don't even know. Are they? Things are being struck. It's not a kit. I'll tell you that. Yeah, hey, that's progress. Um, I can't identify the drums. What's that instrument that comes before the drums? That... Just the whooshing sound? No, that's... No, like right before the drums there. The whooshing is wind, Alex. Oh, I think that's a voice. Okay. I think you're right. There's another Uh... instrument that comes in later, though. That is, I, I can't really, yeah, that's a voice there. Yeah, I don't know there's lots of instruments. About. There's lots of instruments in this. Yeah. So we get this very rich um, world music sound and percussion. Yeah. And, and it also has a lot of, like, ambient stuff, synthesizers, yeah. like a piano. Yeah, what's that one that goes... Is that just a synth? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about that. I think it probably is. Oh, you know what? That's a saxophone, I think. Oh. Playing in a very, like, I'm going to say, hmm, what region? In a very worldly style. Yeah. It's definitely got a, oh, man. What would we call that? I, I wish I knew more details about this. Um it's uh, It had me thinking of the spirit temple in Ocarina of Time. Does that Ocarina help at time. all? <laughs> yeah, because I feel like, for me, I'm like, I could narrow it down to, like, North Africa, the Middle East, and, like, South Asia. But that's a really big area. That's <laughs> like, pretty it's big. massive. <laughs> it's somewhere in there. Is it the kind of sound you could use to charm a snake, yes or no? Um, I mean, you'd have to ask a snake. Okay. And that's your wheelhouse. I, I am the snake, so I'm, I'm charmed by it. I thought that was a good feature of this, this <laughs> story to charmed. bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, that's a more, I could say, non-standard, non-Western sound. Yeah. To it, compared to the other ones, at least for that. But it is also still played on a saxophone, so it's kind of combining them, you know? Yeah, it also reminds me of, you said like the instrumentals are more world music, but The Secret Life of Arabia by the David Bowie. Secret Life of Arabia. Yeah, maybe Arabian is the right answer to that, that question. That could be the right answer to that yeah. question. Um, the feeling of this one. What's the feeling of this one? I think it feels a little more mysterious. Oh, there's, there's a mystery going on here, buddy. Um, and... I could definitely see, like, this kind of being, like, a Thin White Duke character type character. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm getting out of it. Oh, there's mostly. mystery. There's theater here. Yeah. Um, when mystery we get to the theater. actual verse, it's a lot of this, like, sort of wavering synth. This yeah, a lot of those ambient things. And then they'll yeah. just, like, set up an arpeggio or whatever. And then, it, so it feels like it's, like, a lot of loop stuff going on. Yes. And um, there's a monologue. Has a monologue. Yeah, which I thought worked. He says, hand in hand, we strolled through the vast universe, dancing among the stars and flying around the moon. Maybe there was someone else out there. Maybe there is life beyond our life, but we didn't care and we didn't know. All we know was that together we could fly. Yeah, which is kind of just like a, a spoken 
version of of what they say and or imply in the verses. So yeah, it's yeah, just it works. it's pure vibe lyrics. It's just to be like it is mysterious. Look at this. Yeah, and like if it is part of a stage show, which I believe this was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you'd kind of I think it would fit better there. Um, yeah, and I, I do think this would be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, on stage. Um, this is one of the the longer versions. In fact, the longest we're talking about today at four minutes. And I felt it went by super quick. Yeah. Didn't so like, I, I don't think it was boring. I thought there's a lot of, we get a saxophone solo in the middle with that, uh, with that spoken verse bit. Oh yeah. And yeah, lots of harsher sounds. There's some mm-hmm. backup vocals that come in. Again, more layers, lots of layers in this lots one. Lots of layers. And it's all tied together by that very rich percussion. So it's a cool version. It's interesting. Yeah. I'd like it's, to see it live. Yeah, when I when I when I hear somebody trying to be David Bowie, immediately I get yeah. you know, like on edge. I'm well, of course you're trying somebody. to be David Bowie. Who's not? Yeah, who's not? I mean, I'm trying to be fucking David Bowie out here. But yeah, it's so immediately I'm like, this is gonna be shit. And I I listened to it a few times, so I was like, this is actually pretty good. And that's my hot take. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, Pretty yeah. good. Um, was there a music video for this one? I couldn't find it. I didn't see one. Perfect. Got to You gotta see it live. You gotta no see recordings. it live, or don't see it at all. Yeah. With that, we're gonna talk about avocado, strange fruits music, and fets in 2020. Yeah, who are like anthropomorphic fruits. They all seem to be associated with each other. Like they had yeah. some similar images. Fetz is a cat, I think. Yeah, Fetz, hang on, like snackies and nappies. Yeah. I assume nappies meaning to nap, not like not diapers. diapers. I hope so. Um, do you remember when we saw a comedian in no. Calgary? <laughs> Go ahead. And he like said, you guys have a road called Shaganappy Trail. That's pretty messed up. Oh, yeah. Fuck a diaper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. That was not fun. a great joke. <laughs> but I think about it sometimes. Yeah. Me too. Like right now, for because example. slang, you know? Slang. Fun. It's fun. It's a great base. It's a great. It's a good premise. Yeah. You need a better setup, I guess. I don't know. What? I'm not even a comedian. I'm just a guy with a microphone <laughs> talking to another guy with a microphone. I'm trying to find out. Is this... Did we stumble upon, like, something here, Alex? Is this a subculture? If it's a subculture, I don't know what it is, but there does seem to be someone who has a series of anthropomorphic fruits or a group of people who represent themselves with a series of anthropomorphic fruits. Yeah, that man's name is Steve Void. Oh, did you find the details? Yeah, he's the Strange Fruits music guy. Um, Is 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 he all of them? No, this is just his music label. Oh. Is he Avocado? I don't... Think so? That's that's the question. It's, it, all I got from him is he's he started off his music musical career at the young age of fifteen. Um, mm. Steve Void, whose actual name is Steph Van Vuk, de- devoted to his life to his passion for dance music. Uh, Steve gained support and recognition for an array of notable remixes, including his rendition of The Weeknd's "Can't Feel My Face," which amassed over seven million plays on SoundCloud within the first couple of months of its upload. It's a big number. 
It is. So I don't so, know yeah. if he, yeah, if it's where he is creating personas and then releasing collaborations with himself, or if he's reaching out to strange youth and saying, hey, hey, I would you like that, to be the avocado? Yeah, would you like to be the avocado in harem? my strange fruit harem? Truly, the most interesting part of this cover is what is going on with this organization. So, Avocado, for people who want to know, is a cartoon avocado who um, one day is going to figure it all out. That's what they have to say in their bio. Yep. And then, I mean, the image is... I mean, it's not my favorite style of CGI. It kind of looks like it could be an NFT. Oh, yeah. Is this um, an NFT scam? Yeah, it might be. We might be we might be promoting an NFT scam. I mean, promoting is a strong word for what we are about to say about this version. <laughs> true, true. Um, it is it's a chill version. I'll say that. I'd say the feeling mm-hmm. similar to Astrid Gilberto. Yeah, I, I did start. write down what if Astrid but modern day. Yeah, uh, but doesn't have the same story progression. That I felt in that version. It's, yeah. It's more consistent. The story progression here is like, we would like a dollar, please. Please listen to this version of our yeah. song. So, yeah, it's kind of that, it's like that, what I would associate with like, chill mixes, you know? There's there's a broader like, uh, layering of synth sounds. Yeah. That fill a lot of space. and. There's a lot of sweeps for transitions. The drum machine kind of has takes takes care of the rhythm. Um, the thing that was kind of interesting was the way this version sort of is in four four time, but parts feel more three four. Like the way the rhythm is, it's not uh, it doesn't always come in on the on the downbeat. So it it's mm. got kind of like a bum ta ta bum ta ta, but over top of four uh, four. Right. Yeah, that is a bit interesting. Um, yeah. Um, this version to me, Alex, the, the only reason we talked about the Kay Ballard version this, this episode is because it was the first on Wax. It was the first recorded yeah. version. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to degrade the Kay Ballard version. It's solid, but ultimately pretty forgettable. This one is the Kay Ballard version with a, a lower quality overall and also without the, you know, the uh, achievement of being the first. This will be yeah. forgotten by history. This will be forgotten by me the second we start talking. Stop talking about it. It's just doomed to the vast void of music and noise that makes up content in, in the modern day. It's definitely... When I was making this list, for some reason, I really wanted to keep this one on. Because you liked the name Avocado. Because I liked the name Avocado, which kind of got it, you know, at first didn't really didn't really last so there were some other versions that anyway i don't want to i don't want to reminisce too much. no time for regrets here no Alex, time for regret this truly. version definitely chill definitely laid back you know it's got that soft guitar sound yeah but it doesn't really go anywhere with it or, no and like you've got three supposed people on this there's not the vocalist isn't all that exciting like the most exciting vocalization we get is when she goes, true, and then that's it. 
never will anything interesting happen again vocally. Um, there's a soft guitar solo. It's just like, like you said, it sounds like a chill mix. This could have been made by a machine, man. This could have been just like a hand crank that somebody operates and it pushes the song through and it pops out as this. As this. Yeah. So, there you go, man. Let's talk about my favorite version of covers, collaborations with Final Fantasy. Uh, see ya, yeah. 2021. Fly me to the moon Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. How could I not put this one on? It was How apparently inspired by Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, um, so this is uh, for the release of the, the latest expansion, Endwalker, the fourth expansion for the hit MMO, Final Fantasy XIV. Do they go to the moon? They do, in fact. I, okay. I looked it up, and part of the Because I know they go to the, the moon, moon in Final Fantasy IV. That's right. Because I've played Final Fantasy IV. You sure have. Um, but anyway, I'm not surprised they also go to the moon in 14. No, why wouldn't you? Is it the same moon? I don't think so. <laughs> not the same moon, obviously. Now, Alex, do you think Sia is a Final Fantasy XIV fan? I don't know. Do you think That's... she's played any Final Fantasy game in, in her life? I don't see why not. She's. I mean, she's a bit. Of, she I, don't know much C, about, I don't know much about Sia except for, for like her the wig. hair. Yeah, she got. Her, she got her face wig. Yeah. Um. She's an Australia. She's an Australian singer and songwriter. Yeah. Known for doing a lot of big collaborations. Broke through with her sixth studio album in 2014. Um. And she's just she's been around since then. People are like, "Hey, Sia." Oh yeah, yeah, Sia. Yeah. My question to you, Alex. Then, what class do you think she plays? What job role does she take on in Final what Fantasy class is Sia? Yeah. Um, I mean, she looks like a summon in the. <laughs> yeah, Actually, she does she look got, like she got a summon. bow. Uh, she's like white mage. That's what she looks like in in this image. Okay. Um. Or or you know a devout. A devout. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Um. But like, I mean, easy answer, bard. Yeah, that would be the the kind of standard answer. I'm gonna say she's probably. And I'm looking at some of the classes here. She's definitely an astrologian, which is a uh, a healer type class. Oh, are those Final okay. Fantasy 14 classes? Yeah, I'm pulling. I I know. Okay. Like obviously, the standard Final Fantasy jobs are in there. So so Bard is there right. as well. Um, she could also be a dancer. Yeah, I mean, she's got this dress on that doesn't. I mean, it's not the most practical. It would be difficult to be like a knight. Mm-hmm. Or now, as important a question here, Alex, is uh, which of the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, good God, playable races is she? I don't know the races. I don't <laughs> so know you the got, playable races. One of them's called Hure, which is like a human. One of them's Elizen, which is an elf. You got the Lalafell, which are your little teeny tiny child people. Yeah, it's the short one. You got the, the Mikote, which are... Um, Fucking, I don't know. They're cat people. You got Rogadin, which are the big beefy boys okay. and, and big girls, beefy, boys. beefy people. You got Ora, which was introduced in the Heaven Sword expansion, which are, I guess, bunny people. Maybe Dragon they got horns like? or something. Dragon like. and tails. No, yeah. the bunny people are the Viera. Oh, yeah, yeah, typically. Oh, and they're next there. Yeah, the Viera. Um, or do you think she's the the Hrothgar? Which is a mountain in Skyrim, I'm pretty sure. Sure is. 
Um, or if not a mountain, it's like a dude. Then, if not a mountain, <laughs> it's like a bit p- place, person, place, or thing. It's definitely one of those topics. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's one of those three. Um, it's it's probably Mikote, isn't it? Cat person, cat person. Um, but you can't I mean, see the ears, but they're behind the bow. Probably, yeah, I'm looking I, at the album art. I think yeah, you're probably right. With she the looks Mikote. like an idolon. I think she's more of a Lollafell. I think she's and she's yeah. I think she has a childlike diminutive race, she's, yeah, diminutive okay. race vibe going on. Um, you like see Alex? He said he didn't know much about Sia. You yeah, hear Sia on the radio, you go like, "All right." You go, "Oh like, no!" Yeah, I know I mean, titanium, and then that's it. I don't even know that one. We listened to it last week. I was like, "I don't know that." I was um, for me, Alex. For me, you asking me like for me? Yeah, you. I'm not I'm not sold on Sia's whole voice. It is an odd performance. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of scatting in this one as well. Oh, buddy, is there ever? But it's very like aggressive. Yeah. Um, this version. What's going on with this version? Um, it's got like the full orchestra going on. Yeah, you know? it's got the sped up, uh, like Final Fantasy main theme. Yes, arpeggio. the crystal theme or whatever. Yeah, the opening menu theme from like all Final Fantasy games. Yeah, like a lot of them. A lot of them. And uh, that's how it opens, but it's very fast. And mm-hmm. then the the way her voice feels, sounds, yeah. style mm-hmm. is. Um, there's a bit of jazz in there, but possibly just because of the nature of the song, uh, with definitely more modern pop stuff. Um, right. Tamberly. Yep. I hear some Lord in there. Oh Lord. Lord. Um, <laughs> just. Particularly at the start, right near the start, she's got this like tighter feeling, and yeah. then she's there's a little bit of like vocal fry, and then she kind of opens up after that. Yeah, and then it's got this like really epic pop thing going on. Yeah, Bump. yeah, you get the Bump. big orchestra. There's like some distorted sounds, which I wasn't sure if it was a synth or a guitar. Yeah, but definitely some distorted stuff in there. And then, so compared to a lot of the other versions, not all of them, but a lot of them, it really acts as the subtlety. Yeah. Uh, in the strongest way. Yeah, it's just like... But, yeah, sorry. Full on. It's, here's, here's some big dumb hits, this big fucking distorted bassy hits, <laughs> followed with some like light orchestra in the back there. Yeah, and then like her scatting, which is, like I said, very aggressive sounding. Yeah. So... And yeah, it's also kind of interesting because she like goes back and forth. From, she'll sing, mm-hmm. she'll say like, in other words, ba da ba da ba. In other words, like yeah. instead of saying the line, she scats a bit. And of course, we get a breakdown when she's scatting. So you get like a bit of like trap drum to go with her. Yes, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's more instrumental stuff. Kind of like there's a big swell. So it really goes for the epic thing. Yeah, Epic fantasy which thing. I, I guess in part is maybe what they asked from her because they like yeah. we need this to be for the intro cinematic or just a cinematic we're making for this expansion launch. Yeah, or a trailer. I don't know. Like I saw a video 
Yeah, I watched the video too. Which is just footage from the game, I guess. And then sometimes it shows her. Yeah, so it's actually as, like a, a summoning footage to the whole career of Final Fantasy fourteen. So I, I guess moments or direct footage from cinematics they've released over the year suh, of yeah. the you know the the first the initial Final Fantasy fourteen, the remake to make the game actually good, the expansions from there on. <laughs> It's a, a big celebration of the fa- franchise culminating in... Sia. Sia, yeah, in this space realm. Uh, yeah. And then it ends on that that crystal arpeggio. Yeah, so we get the vocal ending, which is just big. I love you! And then it's... So, I guess... Once again, to talk about the feel, mm-hmm. this one's much more melodramatic. Yeah, you know it. It's it's got this hugeness to it that the other versions don't have. It's strange mm-hmm. because the song feels more personal to me, more intimate. Yeah, but that's definitely not the approach they're taking. Certainly not. It's um, uh. But in I guess terms we're emphasizing like, the flying to the moon part here. Is that like... Yeah, the, I guess so. That's a big thing. And like in terms of what it's for, which is Final Fantasy, you know, that's epic fantasy. So yeah. maybe maybe that's really what they were thinking. Maybe. I mean, and here's my question for you. Who's the guy at Square Enix who just discovered Frank Sinatra this year? <laughs> like last year? Because you got this, and then you also have the the Stranger of Paradise where they used my way in the oh, trailer. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, really close together because this video was posted December 2021. Yeah, that's, and that's like, when it came out. It was, this version yeah. came out December of last year, so there's like pretty hot off the press. two guys. Well, I don't know if it's... I guess Square Enix publishing both. Um, yeah, there's one guy who just, like, is on the marketing team and, and decides trying to get as much uh, Sinatra in as he can. Yeah. Hey, more power to him. Um, yeah, this version is confusing and weird, like most uh, covers for <laughs> for video games tend to be. Unless they're yeah, the Florence and the Machine version fantasy. of Stand By Me, which is untouchable. Super good. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about, Alex. We're here to talk about our final verdicts, in which we have three categories. The worst, the best, and the version that you'll play for the next Moon Landing. Whenever that may be. Whenever that may be. All right, Alex, hit me with it. The worst version of this, and why is it whatever you're about to say? Whatever I'm about to say. I'm going to give my worst version to... Um, I think Avocuddle didn't really go anywhere with... Or there wasn't really much interesting about it. No. Um, and it just kind of like used the same vibe as another version, but didn't really use it in an yeah, interesting way. Yeah, didn't even, like, update it to be interesting. It just updated yeah. it to be garbage. kind of stayed chill. And th- they weren't all great, but that was the one that was not, like, interesting and also not... Or not, like, strange or bad in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Just bad. Just kind of not... Not very interesting. Yeah, because like another like sort of obvious pick would be the As Is band, but I like their instrumentals. 
And I thought that was interesting there. They just didn't back it with a vocal performance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Avocado, Strange Fruits Music, and Fats. Who, again, I don't know what this organization is, but I'm not too keen on their whole thing. <laughs> I don't know about this Strange Fruits Music. Also, that's a bold name. It's a bold name to adopt. Because uh, the like line about Strange yeah. Fruits... Comes from a pretty powerful song that is not actually about fruit. Yeah, we'll save that. Um, and so. probably shouldn't be yeah, co-opted by a definitely white dude. <laughs> oh, he looks he looks pink in these photos. Huh? Oh, okay, all right. It's, it's a watermelon. This yeah, I didn't even think about that. When all you said it, it's all I can think about. Yeah, that that's is like horrific. Yeah. Hey, should we have talked about the music video? Well, we kind of did, I guess. But there's a spacey Sia in it. Oh yeah. There's a spacey Sia. I, she looks like an Eidolon. Yeah. A summon, if you will. I guess they get called different things in different games, but I played four, so they're Eidolons. Okay, yeah. I think they're also that in nine. Yeah. What are they? They're called something else in ten, I think. I don't remember. They're called Aeons. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, summons. Summons, yeah. So she, like, this Warrior of Light fucking tries to get juiced up on this crystal, I guess. It explodes. And then we see Sia dancing in space. We get a highlight reel of all the good times in uh, in Final Fantasy. And then we get more of her dancing in space. And then there's a quote that says, hang on, I gotta read it down here. Um, when hearts and souls align by their light, forge ahead. Yeah, I guess we didn't need to talk about it, did we? Alex, what's the best <laughs> version of this? <laughs> best version of this? Uh, it's hard not to give it to Frank Sinatra, you know? I mean, yeah, fucking... Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to give it to Frank Sinatra, just for shits. Sure. I'm going to give it to Jeff Duff. There's some cool sounds in there. Yep. And uh, I'd like to see that performance. Yeah, I think that one's a, a good performance. It sounds good. It's got interesting stuff going on. It it sells me the mystery vibe of this. Like It, it, it purports an idea of this song that isn't the Frank Sinatra version, and it, it backs it with evidence. Mm-hmm. The evidence being that he sounds good. And in the, in, the, in the interest of not just giving it to Frank Sinatra, because, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously the best version, but... Yeah, it's too obvious. It's too uh, obvious. Yeah, it's too obvious. I don't, you know, people don't come to this to go, hey, I've never heard of Flying in the Moon by Frank Sinatra. Y'all heard it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give it to Jeff Duff. That's the version worth checking out, though I will also throw props to Homer and Jethro and their weird-ass satire. Maybe comedic maybe comedic thing. version but hey it's got a good old timey country vibe I to mean, it they Alex performed with legitimate anyway yeah they did perform with Chet Atkins and stuff yeah. <laughs> very strange no time for that Alex the moon landing you've been put in charge of the music for it so <laughs> like right. we need we need we've still got this Sony Walkman we need a cassette to to throw up there here you go I oh, got yeah. this yeah I am working for NASA yeah. And they're like, uh, you should probably just maybe just handle the playlist. Maybe just let the big boys figure the yeah. rest of it out. Um, and I say, all right, I'll do the, my best. And then what I would do is I would put the as is band on because I'd be like, fucking ska, bro. And I would get fired immediately. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't be happy about it, <laughs> but I would probably do it. Yeah, that's a good one. I would put on, and I'm, I'm using a cassette, I would do the Astrid Gilberto version 
but I'd fuck up the track so it just skips and keeps <laughs> looping the forever. I mean, you got a long time before you get to the moon, so you got to do right. something. Listen to it on loop. I come back with moon madness. Um, that's our picks. That's the final verdict. Yeah. You got a different opinion, a similar opinion. Want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are literally thousands. So many, so many. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GovernmentPod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise. Guys, send us your comments, questions, concerns, recommendations for future episodes. You can also email those to us at GovernmentPod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Tell your friends about us. Tell your enemies about us. Tell your grandma about us. She's got nothing else to do. She's retired. Or dead. She's got time to listen. And that does it. That does it for today's episode of Cover Me. As we always say on Cover Me. In other words, please listen to Cover Me.